Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 12, we'll read through, through verse 30. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to conform to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers." And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its reading. We thank you that your spirit goes out with it. Father, may it not return void in our own lives. Father, may you change us this morning to conform us more and more into the image of your son. So Father, help me. Help me, Lord. Give us eyes to to see and um, ears to hear this morning. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. To a father, there are few words that bring more joy 
than to hear his son or daughter cry out, Daddy. It is a word that is uttered when he returns home from work, when the child hears the keys jingle in the door. Or perhaps it is on their lips when they are in need of something. Or often in the middle of night when there's been a bad dream. Crying out, Daddy, Daddy, help me. It's a powerful word because of the relationship that it communicates. Not everybody gets to call me father or daddy. Out of the seven, what, seven billion odd people in the world, there are two that have this ability have this relationship to call me father or to call me daddy. To Lizzie and Thomas, I am not just some man that loves them. I am their father. I am their daddy. It is a relationship that is exclusive. It is a relationship that is unique and it is a very intimate relationship. It's a special bond that we have that can never be changed. And it's a bond that is founded in love. So what an amazing privilege it is that we can call the creator of all things, Abba, Daddy, Papa, Father. Father's Day is a great day and we celebrate um, many great fathers whom the Lord has given us here on earth. They are great, especially as they point us to Jesus. And they show his love and character uh, and the character of our Father to us. I am blessed to, to count Paul Johnson as my father. He, he led both me and my brother to Christ when I was four and my brother was 10. And he has led our family well since and always tell us about Jesus. He has failings, yes. And I'll be the first to tell you. But he is a wonderful and godly father. But he is a godly father because the spirit is in him. He is led by the spirit. And he himself is a son of God. But Father's Day can also be a day of tension, can it? Just like Mother's Day can be a real day of tension. For perhaps your father has gone to be with the Lord. Or perhaps there's a father that hasn't been all that godly. But whether we've had godly fathers or not, and whether or not they're still with us, if we are believers here this morning, then we have a father, a heavenly father. And we have every reason to rejoice because we are sons. We are called to remember the many blessings that we have in him. And we are called to yearn for that day of our inheritance when Christ comes back. How did this happen? How did this happen that God is our Father? Well, we find ourselves in Romans 8. And many scholars, many uh, um, uh, theologians have called this chapter of Scripture the best in all of Scripture. And I think it would certainly be on the top five list for many of us. We begin by learning that, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we learn that Christ has fulfilled every jot and every tittle of the law. He has fulfilled what the law could not do for us. He has united us to himself. He has made us his. We share in a resurrection like his. At the end, I love the end of of Romans 8, 
where we learn that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of our God and Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I think the, the apex, the climax, the best part, the jewel amongst all the jewels are these three verses we're looking at this morning. Starting in verse 14, we read that not only has God saved us, not only has God cleansed us of all of our sins and declared us to be righteous before him, not only has he welcomed us into heaven one day, but he has adopted us as his children. He has given us the right to be called the sons of God. Well, every bit of our, our salvation is personal. Every bit of it. He has written our names, our personal names in the, in the book of life before the foundation of the world. He has purposed from the creation of everything to send his son personally to die for us personally. Every bit of our salvation is personal. But it kicks it up a notch, doesn't it? We read that we can call him not just father, but Abba. There were two words, or two words that Lizzie's learning right now. She's learned mama, and she, she's, uh, she is, has learned daddy even this week, or dad dad. And you know that's just brought tears to my eyes. Well, if you are an Aramaic-speaking child, the two words you would learn were ima, mommy, and abba, daddy. What a privilege it is that we can personally call our God our papa, This wasn't automatic, by the way. This wasn't automatic. God could have technically saved us and not adopted us as his children. There's nothing in salvation that is a given. There's no part of salvation that's our due or owed to us. We are not entitled to any bit of our salvation, not even to the gift of faith and repentance. But he has done more than than just saving us which would have been enough to give him glory forever and ever in all of eternity. And not only does he promise us his spirit who walks with us and continues to conform us into more and more the image of his son and witnessing to our spirits that we are the sons of God. He has adopted us and declared us to be co-heirs with Christ. He has given us an inheritance And he calls us his child. I wonder if we really believe that. Certainly academically, certainly on a Sunday morning. But do we really believe the implications of having our God and our King as our Father? It also wasn't automatic in that not everybody is a child of God. We hear that a lot in uh, on the radio and on and media, especially after big tragic events like even we've had here recently, that we're all children of God. And, and if by that you mean that God has made us all, God made all things for his own glory, including us, and if by that we mean that because we're made in the image of God, we all have value and dignity no matter our lifestyle, then, then, then I understand. But, but biblically speaking, the Bible uses this word sons uniquely for Believers in Christ. Just like Thomas and Lizzie are the only ones who can legitimately call me father or daddy. So only those who have been purged by the blood of Jesus. Only those who have been cleansed and robed in his righteousness. Only those who have believed in his name are sons of God. 
don't take my word for it. John 1, 11 through 13. John 1, 11 through, 1, 11 through 13, fantastic text. He came to his own, Jesus, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What's the thing that must be done in order to be a child of God? It is to believe in the name of Jesus. And to those who believe in his name, get this word, he gave the right to be called children of God. He made them eligible. He gave them the authority to call upon God as their father. Or 1 John 3, 1a, see what kind of love the father has given to us? that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Or as our text puts it in verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If we have been declared righteous, if we are covered under Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we are in Jesus, we believe in his name, then we are led by the Spirit. And if we are led by the Spirit who, who witnesses to our souls that we belong to the Father, then we are the sons of God. This means, as our text puts it, we are sons and not slaves. Look at verse 15, if you will. Here we find this, that for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. There's a big difference between a slave and a son, isn't there? Remember a few weeks back, we were looking at Philippians 1 and we talked about how Paul and Timothy used this word doulos, this word servant, slave, to refer to himself and Timothy in their service to the Lord. But, but Paul is gonna mix metaphors and here we learn, and in Galatians 4 as well, that they were no longer slaves. Indeed, we are sons. We're, we, are, we have been freed from the spirit of slavery not to fall back into fear. This, this isn't the, you know, the godly fear that believers are to have for their father, for their God. This is a guilty fear. This is a terror fear. Like a guilty murderer would be afraid of going before a just judge. But we can come before him and call him Abba, Father, for he has freed us from our slavery. He has freed us from our slavery to sin and to the devil We are no longer following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work amongst the sons of disobedience. He has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light. We are no longer slaves. We are sons. A slave is always in fear of the wrath of his master, where a son is assured of his love. A slave is terrified of asking for anything while a son also knows that his father is good and delights in giving him good things. A slave is not guaranteed a future and lives in fear of being sold and abandoned whereas a son is secure in the household of his father because of his relationship and his father's love for him. A slave isn't granted access to his master whereas a son can march up anytime and just to say hi. A slave doesn't share in the inheritance, whereas a son is given full rights because of his relationship 
to the Father. And so, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. But here's the thing. Whom is our father? Who is our father? We are sons of whom? We are sons of God. Our God is a good father, a righteous father, a holy father, a forgiving father, a father of mercy and steadfast love. He is a father who loves the orphan and the widow. He is a father who did not spare his only begotten son so that he can make those who are fatherless to be his sons. So let us rejoice in that we are sons and not slaves. And therefore, let us remember the many privileges and blessings that we have in Jesus. The many blessings we have because we are united to Jesus and therefore sons of the living God. I had a teacher in uh, middle school and she told the story of going to Italy with some of her friends um, in college. And they went to Italy for about two or three weeks. And they had a lot of fun. The problem is they didn't pay too much attention to their financial situation. So about a week out or so before they were supposed to hop on their already paid for ticket and head home, they ran out of money. So what did they do? They called Daddy. And one of them called their daddy, and uh, he said, okay, I'll take care of it. That's about all he said. About an hour or two later, this car rolls up. And out pop these men and women, very friendly, and say, yeah, come on in, come on, get in the car. We're going to take you home, and you know, y'all can stay with us, and we'll, uh, we'll put you up for the next several days before your flight. And so they got to stay in an Italian home and get shown Rome by those who live there, and had a great time. Now it matters what their last name was. It was Bruno of the Bruno's grocery store in Birmingham. And they still had family in the old country. So because of who they were, they had blessings because of their relationship to one of the girl's father. It changed everything. So as we rejoice and that we're sons and not slaves, we, we remember the many blessings we have in the Lord and, and we could spend all of eternity and perhaps we will talking about all the blessings we have in Jesus. But I just want to focus on a few this morning. The first is we remember his love for us. Not every father loves well. It's a sad truth. And none of us fathers, we don't love as we ought even on good days. But we have a heavenly father who loves perfectly. I love that first John 3 passage we, uh, I mentioned a few minutes ago. See what kind of love the father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. See what kind of love, what, what nature of love, what flavor of love what kind of love he's given to us? It's not an empty love. It's not a, just a words love. It's a love that has been proven. The proof is in the pudding and that he has sent his son and that we would be called the children of God. This is where we look, isn't it? 
When someone says they love us, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to show it. And so we look for fruit, we look for evidence. And God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. There's nothing in us that commended ourselves to the Lord. There's nothing that said, God, love me, for I am unlovely. Apart from what Christ has and is doing in my heart. So the fact is that you can learn a lot about someone when they love something that is seemingly unlovely. The Father has loved us so much that he would not spare his own son. He would give him up for us that we might become the children of God, that we might have forgiveness. I think that Satan often throws this one in our face. Have you ever felt the temptation in your heart to think you weren't worthy of God's love? That surely whatever I'm struggling with, whatever I'm dealing with, whatever I've done, whatever I want to do, surely God could no longer love me. You know, the thing about our relationship with the Lord is it cannot change. We talked about that, was it last week? That we are secure in our salvation, the perseverance in the saints. Our relationship with our Father, our earthly Father, never changes. We are His Son, period. But how much greater is our relationship with the Lord, this this God who has declared us to be free of guilt? See, I love Romans 8 8, in that it it bookends the whole chapter in God's love for us. For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. This great declaration that Christ has taken all of our sins upon him if we believe in him. And how does it end as we travel up the the great mountaintop of of adoption? And then how does the book end with Romans 8, 38 and 39? For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. My friends, if you are in Christ then your Father loves you. And therefore, his love does not change like a seesaw, up one day and down the next. It does not diminish or fade away like a metal loses its luster. It is not weak like brittle bones to break only at the slightest pressure. It does not falter or fail like an overloaded beam. And it does not melt like butter in the hot Alabama sun. Our Father's love is an eternal love because it's based in His Son. He loves you. Therefore, give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Because of that, we have access to the throne of God. Michael Card, the great, I'm sure I've told this story a handful of times. Michael Card, the, the, um, the singer-songwriter, of the 80s and 90s used to tell a story of his father, that his father would come home, go straight to the study, lock the door, and he would have to, to tuck notes up underneath his father's office door in hopes that he would pay attention to him. Not so with our father. Not so with our heavenly father. I don't know what kind of relationship you had with your father in communication. My father, right, wrong, or otherwise, 
if he is in his office with a great big client and I call and he sees my name on the caller ID, he'll pick up and at least say, I'm sorry, I've got to call you back. He delights in hearing from me, just like I delight hearing from my children. Your father in heaven delights from hearing from you. You can't just march into a king's throne room. You can't just go into the president's oval office, but we can go into the throne room of God. That way has been secured by the blood of the lamb, the perfect lamb who has entered into the true temple, the true heavenlies. Because of his sacrifice, we can come before the Lord. We can find help and grace in time of need. We not only have his love, we not only um, are able to come into his presence and access the throne, but God is always present with us. You know, when your father, I mean, when you're, you're, you're a child, your, your dad can do anything. I've enjoyed that um, assumption of omnipotence with my children. They think I can do anything. Uh, and we all know that's just not true. But you know that uh, when you're a child and you're, you're scared of a long, dark hallway, but as soon as your father is with you, the darkness just goes away. And you're fine to go down the hall. And so it is with our heavenly father. You remember, we've been through Joshua recently. And what's the, what's the theme that, that goes throughout that whole book is that God will be with you. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Why? Because he's your father and he loves you. And he's given you his spirit who is with you, his spirit who's with you all the time. I, I wonder in your daily grind, do you forget that you can run to your father in, um, in prayer at any time? Do you forget that your father loves you? Do you forget that, uh, that he's with you all the time? I feel like I do all the time. I forget those things. Not only that, but he provides for us. Matthew seven eleven. if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Every good and perfect gift is from our father. And he provides for us, not just financially, but he gives us grace. He gives us strength when things are tough. He gives us comfort when we mourn. He gives us mercy in times of trials. And he's given us his spirit to help us remember that we are his son each and every day. So as we rejoice that we are sons, as we remember the blessings we have in him as his sons, let us yearn for our inheritance. Because that's how our text ends in verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This means salvation. This is our inheritance. It is the kingdom. And we yearn one day for the return of our Savior. We and all of creation, according to the rest of Romans 8, groan and yearn for this day when God will return and make all things right and will renew all things. This world wasn't meant to be in its current state where we're to be forever. Christ is coming back one day to make all things new. We are co-heirs with him. We will live with our Father forever and ever in the, in the remade heavens, in the remade earth. Therefore, I would say to believers here this morning, remember that you are a son of God. We can make lots of applications, but just a couple. I would call you to live as the sons that you are. Live as the children of God that you are. We seek to please our Father. We, we seek to, to live as those who have been redeemed, to live holy and godly lives, working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But remember that he loves you. 
And to those who don't know Jesus, I would tell you this morning that the only way, the only truth, the only life, the only way to salvation, the only way to count God as your father is to believe in him, is to receive him. Call upon him. Call upon him that today, Father's Day 2016, may be the day that you call God your father. Come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. Let's pray. Our, our heavenly father, our Papa, our, our Abba, we cry out to you and we're thankful that you have adopted us. This is not something we've done on our own. We didn't fill out paperwork for this. You said, I have adopted us. You've adopted uh, your people. So Father, we rejoice. Help us to remember the blessings we have in you. Help us to live as sons, as children of God, as we yearn for the redemption of the, of the, um, of the sons of God. May that day come soon. It's in the name of Jesus we ask it. Amen. We will conclude our service. You'll find on the back of your outline in your bulletin the insert for how deep the Father's love for us.